0: Time to talk golf now on the radio tab breakfast show. Joining us from the Sunshine Coast Golf Centre, it's Wayne Persky. Wayne, good morning.
1: Good morning, boys. How are you going?
0: Very well, thank you. Got to ask you a question about your own personal career. Did mm-hmm. you ever need to to sink a twenty six foot double bogey putt to win a championship after putting two in the eight two in the water
1: on the eighteenth? Uh, no, but I would have liked to have had that opportunity a few more times. <laughs>
0: well, Daniel Gavins did this on the DP World Tour this weekend. Unbelievable.
1: Unbelievable finish, you know, like it was, it was Vanderveld like Everyone mm. will remember Jean Vandervelde at the British Open making a mess of it and then holding quite a nice putt to get into a playoff. But uh it went a different way for... Our mate who, um, you know, tried his hardest to, to make a mess of it but then uh, then recovered brilliantly on the last. Luckily, he had enough of a lead to uh, still get it done.
0: Well, when you're ranked two hundred and ninety six in the world, you're in your mid-30s, you've only had one win on tour. You don't find yourself in the lead too much on the 18th and you've got to think when you put two in the water and you then need a 26-footer for victory, you're not going to come away with it. You would have been thinking, Wayne, well, in my opinion... I need two here to make a playoff.
1: Oh, absolutely and and you know the things that go through your mind when you're in that position it is it's, it's it's unbelievable to be given an opportunity to win and then to feel like you've blown it is um it's catastrophic and then to to sort of come up with that putt and you know statistics say apart from 26 feet he's probably only going to make it about 8% of the time. So um, the odds were not against him. Put add add all of that other pressure on top of that, and um, it was a great result for him. Probably something you'll never forget. That's for sure.
0: One thing I observed over the weekend: we had three tours up and running—the PGA, the DP World Tour, and the Asian Tour—and the Asian Tour was a very strong field there, the Saudi International with all the live players. But I found I could cover all three. You know, I could watch all three and be up to date with it, and I enjoyed all of them
1: it's 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 fantastic actually to be watching golf all over the world if we we, we were we had the live players playing in in Asia the Asian tours obviously aligned with the live tour and and live have put a little bit of money in there and they had their their biggest event in Saudi um, even a couple of the PGA Tour players went over I'm assuming they took some appearance fees um, to play in those so um, but the yeah really really strong field playing all over the world is kind of what we we really want. you know we, we wanted to see that and that's what live has has added is some of these guys traveling and uh, and we see them playing in different parts of the world is, is really cool. and uh, yeah it's 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 kind of hopefully at some stage everyone can get along and we can see really good players playing on all, all different parts of the world every week.
2: Uh, Wayne. We were talking earlier in the morning uh, about Justin Rose winning at Pebble Beach, and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I think uh, Paul might have mentioned the highest-ranked Australian was uh, highest-finishing Australian was Aaron Badley. And uh, I said I thought Aaron uh, sort of burst onto the scene with those two Australian Open wins about the time Adam Scott sort of was on the scene as well. Was that correct? And uh, how would you characterize Badley's career considering how he started?
1: Yeah, well, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to play a fair bit with Aaron when he was he was young. You know, mm. I was about 20 and he was about 15. So at that stage, a lot of good judges had Aaron in front of Adam. So, mm. you know, he he, he was going to be a world beater from from day one. Even He was winning big tournaments at 15 and 16 years old um, and some really good judges saying that this guy could be, you know, a major winner and, and world number one. Yeah. Um, Having played with him a bunch of times, I couldn't disagree. You know, he's the way that Aaron played at that age, and then obviously came through and won an Australian Open as an amateur, mm. and then um, and then backed it up the following year as a as a professional, won the Greg Norman International. You know, made his way to the PGA Tour, and and just really didn't quite. You know, he he had such a beautiful golf swing at at fifteen or sixteen, right up through his late teens. Um. Then he started to tinker with it. You know, he he's always been a, an amazing putter, but um, started to tinker with his swing. He's changed coaches. And when he changed coaches, it wasn't just, you know, a little change to someone else who... It was huge method changes. So um, I think that's probably what's affected him. Um, he's doing something completely different again right now, and it seems to be getting him hitting it straight. And when when Aaron Badley hits it straight, he, um, he plays well. So... Because his putting and short game is, you know, some of the best in the world. So it's good to see Bads back on the leaderboard and and playing his way back onto the PGA Tour. It's probably the best opportunity for guys like Bads and for, um, you know, Justin Rose and Adam Scott to to finish off their careers with good wins. Because there's quite a few players missing having gone to the Live Tour.
2: With all you've said there on Badley, do you think uh, in his heart of hearts he'd be slightly disappointed as to his career on the PGA Tour? I mean, as good as it's
1: been? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, he's he's been successful. He's made, you know, $22 million odd on the, the PGA Tour. But he, I know for a fact um, that he had majors and world number one and golf domination on his mind when he was um, when he was a young man, so he probably hasn't hit the heights that um, that he'd planned as a kid, but um, at the end of the day, a couple of Australian Opens, winner on the PGA mm-hmm. Tour, and you have to be, you know, thinking that that's in the 0. .0001% of people in the game, so um, yeah, although he hasn't won a major, he had a chance at one stage, he, he led, an, led a US Open going into the last round, but couldn't get it done, and yeah, he'll be probably disappointed, but not too disappointed. He's he's looked after his family pretty well.
0: And somehow you've ended up with one of his old drivers.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, we used to knock around a fair bit, um, playing practice rounds and things like that. And somehow he wanted my driver, and I wanted his, so we we did a swap. But that was the uh, the Australia the the driver that won the Australian Open in two thousand. So um, found it in the cupboard yesterday. Posted a picture on Facebook and see who could guess who it was. A few people few people guessed it. Most people um, didn't. But uh, interesting to see, you know, the small-headed driver mm. and only 43 and a half inches long, you know, so different. It, that, it doesn't feel like it's that long ago um, in 2000. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's people that are born after 2000 these days, but bad's winning an Australian Open in the year 2000 with a 43 and a half inch driver um, at 300 cc's is... It's pretty amazing, you know these days the, the driver heads are so big and the shafts are 45, 46 inches long. so yeah, very very different, but not so long ago.
2: And uh, Aaron Baddeley burst onto the scene and uh, the winner of the uh, Pebble Beach Pro Ebb, Justin Rose, he burst onto the scene all those years ago at a British Open, didn't he? Then he turned pro and missed all the cuts and everyone was going, oh, you know, what's the future hold for Justin Rose? Well, he's had a wonderful career with a major victory at a US Open and a couple of close uh, shaves at the Masters and uh, good to see him back winning on the PGA too. He's a good
1: mate of uh, your
2: mate, Adam Scott, isn't he?
1: He is, yeah, and he's a really nice bloke, Justin. I actually have played with him a couple of times as well. As a young man, um, before he burst onto the scene at the British Open, Justin Rose and Paul Casey came out to Australia to play at uh, Belmont, which was a tournament called the Lake Macquarie Amateur. And, um, yeah, got to play with him for a couple of rounds there and found him a a really pleasant young man. And uh, he's gone on to have an amazing career, pretty Pretty reflective of, of Adam's career. You know, he's, mm. he's got 11 wins on the PGA Tour now and a major in the bank and he's uh, top 10 and all-time money list and obviously still has it. So, you know, he's been quiet for the last couple of years and um, it's good to see blokes like Justin up there. It's good for the game. Um, you know, he's not an American, so mm. that's good too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first that's European to win yeah, around yeah. Pebble Beach, so good stuff.
0: We made mention of the Saudi International being played on the Asian Tour. It was won by Abraham Answer. He picked up a million dollars for the victory. But Lucas Herbert finished third here in this event, the week before he was third in the Dubai Desert Classic on the DTP World Tour. So back-to-back top three finishes on different tours, but very strong field. It just shows what
1: great form Lucas is in, Wayne. He's in amazing form, and, and it's hard to believe that he's trying to play his way into the Masters. Um, hmm. You know, this is a, a a bloke that's consistently performed really well, but it just shows you how, how strongly ranked it is towards the PGA Tour at the moment. You know, a, a third placing on the PGA Tour would make a lot more uh, world ranking points than on the Asian Tour, even though it was a $5 million event. Um, Abraham Anser, one of the live players. So it, there's a, it's almost like there's a boxing match going on at the moment and um, it makes the... The news, Cameron Young, PGA Tour player, Abraham Anser, a, a live player, and Abraham was able to come out on top on this one. So um, I really like Abraham Answer. You know, he's a, a good young player, donates a lot of money to um, his local community back in, in, in his hometown. So, yeah, he's a good man.
2: He actually won an Australian Open in a counter one year, didn't he? A big tournament. He did. He, yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah,
1: really, really solid player. And, um, you know, like we see, the guys that have to come from outside of America tend to compete really well um, outside of America because they're used to playing in different conditions. So a winner in Australia, a winner now in Asia and a winner also on the PGA Tour is a a true world player.
0: Mm. We've got this legal procedure happening at the moment. It started yesterday in London, these 13 live players and... The DP World Tour—it's—it's it's not a—it's not a court, as we pointed out this morning, Andrew. It's a an arbitration body for sports resolution, and effectively, what it wants is they want to be able to play on the DP World Tour, as well as play on the Live Tour. And I think the ramifications will be huge for someone like Cameron Smith, because we're going to see him, if successful, getting back to the DP World Tour to play more events, because there are world
1: ranking points, points. there, Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, and and good world ranking points, especially when guys like Cameron Smith are playing there. So, um, you know, fingers crossed. Don't don't hold your breath that it'll go the way of, of <laughs> that they want it to go. But um, yeah, I, just for the sake of the game, I think we need to see the likes of Dustin Johnson, Cameron Smith, Henrik Stenson, you know, getting world ranking points because we want to see them playing in tournaments like the Masters. You know. Um, it just makes sense, but uh, I don't think they should be you know, completely distant from those, those majors. The majors really should be Switzerland, but how do they qualify for them if they're not able yeah. to play in those events just because they decide to play on a, on a different tour? It doesn't make a massive amount of sense to me, but we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed for them.
2: Yeah, it be interesting, won't it? Because, I mean, uh, one of the great uh, selling points for the Live Tour was they didn't have to play as much as they did in the other tours. So if they're having 14 Live events a year and they get into the four majors, you know, those who qualify, there's 18 weeks gone. Even if they win their case, they might actually want to play too many on the DP World Tour, would you think?
1: No, really, at the end of the day, um, it's probably for the younger guys, but to be able to qualify, to get up... Um, you know, if they align with Live, mm. then they can play in some of those events, get their world ranking points up, and and play more on the Live Tour. Mm. They, they'd like it to be a supplementary tour, not a main tour. I think so. Um, it, it's really quite complicated. Um, the the main thing around Live Tour is that they really need to get their own world ranking points so that they can qualify playing their own events to get into majors.
0: Mm. I suppose it comes down to what they're saying is, can a governing body impose rules that determine when and where a professional golfer can and can't compete? That's what they're trying to find out.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I guess that that's going to be up to the lawyers to try to argue that sort of stuff. You know, it's been a couple of years coming. The PGA Tour have taken a really strong stance. The PGA Tour own 40% of the DP World Tour, so mm. um, I'm sure that uh, they'll have some pretty big-wig lawyers on, on it arguing their case but at the end of the day the people that miss out are are golf fans you know i just want to see the best players playing for world ranking points and then playing in the tournaments that we love the most which is the four majors the Ryder cup the president's cup you know it'd be really disappointing if we didn't see the best players the guys that we root for every week playing in in those events
0: now the dp world tour is off to the singapore classic but it's Super Bowl weekend, which means it's the Phoenix Open and the party hole, Wayne.
1: <laughs> yeah, some of the best times of the year for the PGA Tour. Um, probably, you know, it's there's a highlights reel from the the, the Phoenix. The, it's just, uh, you know, our favourite obviously being Jared Lyle holding out mm. um, in that tournament, seeing the beer go up, the stadium <laughs> hole. Um, probably one of the best weeks of the year on the PGA Tour, so can't wait for that one.
0: Remember last year, one of the players put one near the pin and he took his shirt off and Harry Higgs, who was there with him, who was, well, a rather, what would we say, a rather largish fellow, mm. not exactly mm. a finely tuned athlete. He joined in as well and had the gear off. Built for comfort,
1: oh, yes. it's so good. It's, uh, it's fantastic. And, um, you know, seeing the caddy races too. The caddies quite often race to the green and fall over and, yeah, you know, any anyone that's got any personality is going to come out on that seventeenth that hole. Apparently there's uh, you know the, it starts very early in the morning and continues very late into the night with uh, with concerts and, and the like. Almost like a live tour event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Good on you, Wayne. <laughs> Always great to have you on, mate. We'll chat to you next week. Look forward to it, boys. Have a great week.